Morning, gentlemen. Welcome back. Coming to you live from the Summerson Community Cradle of Summerson, Philadelphia. Continuing with Evan Schleim over here. A lovely Wednesday morning. We're getting together uh, for over here, and we are here finally. Parakid Aleph, Simonid Aleph. This is the final Simon, the final paragraph, of the final Perak of Evan Schleimer, which, again, almost feels like we're about to finish the Sefer, but we have to remind ourselves that the, 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 the anticlimactic um, lining over here of us being at the last paragraph is that there's still a half a chapter, half a Perak that we still have not yet seen, yet not yet tackled, the second half of Perak Yud. What are we going to do when we finish the parak this morning? Are we going to go back next time we do Evan Shlema and wrap up the second half of Perak Yud? I, I'm not sure. My inclination is that we're not, even though it's very tempting to do it so we can say we did the entire safer from beginning to end. But that's all the spooky stuff. So I don't, we're going to think about that. We're going to think about that. It's all you know, spooky stuff about what happens in the afterlife, what happens in the after-afterlife, what happens to the soul in this journey, with all the different stages and, and um, <clears throat> stops that the soul makes from departure and, and beyond. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if we're going to do that. But in any case, let's wrap up Perakid Aleph. And in a certain sense, let's let's wrap up the Sefer. So again, Perakid Aleph has been about Geula, the upcoming Geula. May we see it soon and speedily and swiftly in our days. And it's been about all that is going to happen going into the Geula, all the different steps of the Geula. And as the guy told us yesterday in, in Yud, we saw at the end of Yud, that after we have the four stages of Geula, which parallel the four Yom Tovim of Tishrei, the four celebrations of Tishrei, that leads us into the, the Shemini Atzeres, which is the intimate gathering of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and His holy people and His chosen people, that consists of, Gain told us, a number of banquets, a number of banquets. We know Chazal talk about banquets that are going to happen at the end of the days is the great banquet of the Leviathan, the Leviathan, Leviathan, the Leviathan, which we're told was um, killed and salted and put aside by God uh, for the feast of the Sadikim that will happen in, in uh, Mashiach times. And we're told there's another Chazal that talks about Yain HaMeshumar, wine manufactured from the grapes that were there during the six days of creation that has also been put aside. Now, this reserve wine, you know, imagine, you know, they have these bottles that they, you know, 50 years old, 100 years old, 200 years old, they go for a lot of money. So it's a bottle of wine that goes back to Gan Eden. That's, that's going to be given to the tzaddikim. It's not going to be auctioned off. It's, the price is going to be um, something that's going to be uh, far beyond any, uh, any, anything that happens at uh, the auction houses. What's the name of that big auction house where they auction things off? Sotheby's. Sotheby's, that's right, Sotheby's. Yes, far beyond anything that 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 uh, you know anything ever went up for at Sotheby's, the price to get to the Yainim Meshumar is to be those, those tzaddikim that are there to usher Mashiach and greet Mashiach and have that Shemini Atzeres meal with the Yisraelim. But the question is, what is the meal of the Leviathan, the Sudas Leviathan? We talk about it also Sukkot time. We all get a little bit messianic Sukkot time, being that it's now we understand a little bit better also why at the end of Sukkot we all wax messianic in our prayers and in what we read in Shul and the Haftarahs, because the guy tells us that Tishrei is all about events that will parallel the, the great events in Mashiach, and as we get close to the end of Sukkot, Shukkot, Shemini getting close to the great climax of the the the, the uh, world's redemption and, and the end of times and the end of days. So we, we do say a tefillah and we leave the Sukkot, that the same way we sat in the Sukkot, Hashem, you should allow us to 
sit in the canopy of the the Leviathan meal. The, the canopy will be made out of the skin of the Leviathan. We'll be dining on the the the, the um, meat of the Leviathan. What does all this mean? What does this mean? It means it really is meant to be taken literally. Meant to be taken literally. Like oh, so that's you know we've been doing mitzvahs and learning Torah and 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 tzedakah and lying Shabbos candles for thousands of years to get ready for Mashiach and we can't get even humanity we can't wait we can't wait getting humanity close and close to Mashiach and Mashiach is going to come Mashiach, like, Mashiach is here and you know Mashiach is all bad we're going to sit and have gefilte fish and a little bit of wine that's what Mashiach is all about that's what the, the, where this world is going so that obviously it has to have some deeper meaning and and deeper import on a a, a uh, Figurative level, and that's what the guy is going to tell us about here in Simon Yud Aleph, the concluding Simon of the uh, concluding Perik of the Sefer. And we say like this Sudas Leviathan. What is this banquet of the Leviathan, the banquet of the Leviathan fishes? Again, just everyone's going to sit, get a piece of gefilte fish. That's what it's all about. Says the guy, Who had das? That is a reference to das, knowledge. Knowledge. The banquet of the Leviathan is about receiving knowledge. That's what that means. What does that mean? There will be a proliferation, an increase of knowledge in the world. The banquet, the feast of the Leviathan, is obviously a banquet. A feast is always an idea of, of celebration, of a party, of a simcha, great happiness. And the Sudas Leviathan is allegorically referring, says the Gain, to the greatest simcha that a human being that a Jew can possibly achieve and attain, and that is complete knowledge of Hashem. There's no greater simcha than enlightenment. Enlightenment. Okay, let's do this, and we're going to come back to all these ideas. Moshe Rabbein is also called the Leviathan. He's citing, he cites a Zayar over here, we see in parentheses. There's a Zayar that refers to Moshe as the Leviathan. Okay. And Regarding that, we have a pasuk um, in in uh, Psalms in Barchi Nafshi that refers to Leviathan. It says, "Leviathan, Hashem Yatzar to Lesachik by Hashem, you create the Leviathan, the Leviathan, to play with him as a plaything." What does it mean? The Leviathan, the Leviathan, is a plaything. So again, that's another proof to this idea over here that it's referring to knowledge. Knowledge. Is the plaything of Hashem, imat tzaddikim. Hashem uses to play with tzaddikim, right? How do you, if Hashem wants to have a pastime, a plaything, have a game of catch with tzaddikim, how does the Rebbe Hashem play with the tzaddikim? Sets up a big cosmic game of twister? No, how does HaKadosh Baruch Hu play with tzaddikim? Knowledge. Shemachadish lahem Torah, by showing them insights and revolutionary understandings of Torah. Kamosha, cause of, like the Pasuk says, by Harsinai, these came, the elders. It says, They saw God, and they ate, and they and they and they, they drank, they dined. What does it mean? They saw God. It means they comprehended God. They had enlightenment of God's knowledge. That's what it means. There's also what is referred to when we talk about the concealed light, the light in Gan Eden, the original light of creation that was also put away for tzaddikim. The inner meaning. And depth of the Torah will be open, will be revealed. Just as accessible as we have nowadays, the outer layer of Torah. The same way we have open access to 
the revealed parts of Torah nowadays, you open up a, a Gemara, open up a Mishnayis, open up a Halacha Sefer, the outer area of Torah is open and, 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 and accessible. The hidden Torah will be just as accessible in the end of days when Mashiach comes and this all um, part of the meaning of what of, of, of this idea of the Sudas Leviyasan. This goes hand in hand with freedom from all of the prosecutors, the angelic prosecutors, the celestial prosecutors, us, humanity, mankind, Kleisrael, having total enlightenment, total knowledge of Hashem, goes hand in hand with the silencing of all the the um, forces in Shemaim, the celestial beings that try to stir up movements against us. So, like the Pasuk says, The Pasuk says that there won't be anyone prosecuting, there won't be anyone arguing against us anymore, there won't be anyone stirring up motions and summoning us because the entire world will be filled with knowledge of God. The Pasuk says over there, like water fills the ocean. The wine that has been set aside, that was the Sudas Leviasan. What about the wine, the, reserve, the wine reserve, the, that special wine that's been put away? That's also referring to what says the guy in Sodas the secrets of the Torah. She's Galai de Moshe, the Moshe Rabbeinu will reveal to everyone. When it comes to that moment in time when it will will arrive, the Pasik um, prophecies that by saying that God's glory will be revealed to the world, and Hashem will take delight in his handiwork. Should happen speedily in our times. That should be indeed the will of God, and that has the that's how the guy concludes the safer. So we're not done though. We're just getting started over here, right? What on earth is going on over here? We have going telling us the Leviathan, the banquet of Leviathan is knowledge, knowledge of God, intimate knowledge of God. Okay, that's all right. I guess we could get that. But what does it have to do with Moshe? Why Moshe is called the Leviathan? Why why is Moshe called the Leviathan, right? And why is, what does it mean that that that, that the this innermost knowledge is a plaything, it's Hashem's plaything, what does it mean it's a plaything, right? He refers to it as a plaything, the, the, the when the Pasuk says Hashem plays with the Leviathan, that's allegorically meaning that, uh, referring to the fact that the knowledge of God that Hashem is going to share with the Tzadikim is a plaything, what, what, what does that mean? Um, and what does it mean that the, the ultimate full revelation of the full knowledge of God, which is going to happen in times to come, goes together with the silencing of the evil forces of the prosecutors of the malachim, celestial agents that try to get us in trouble, what, what, what does it have to do with that? What's the connection between das, das full knowledge of Hashem, and silencing the prosecution? So the, the, these are the basic questions we have to ask. The guy is putting together a whole shtickle for us, like a whole piece, right? A whole dissertation. But how do all these pieces connect? The fact that the knowledge of God is represented by the Leviathan. What does that have to do with Moshe? Why is Moshe called the Leviathan? What does that have to do with it being a plaything? Why? Um, um, what, what, what does that have to do with, with the uh, silencing the malachim that are trying to get us in trouble? So, let's try to put this together, Rabbi Sait.
And the greater over, no overall question over here, and the overarching question is, why is this indeed the final step? Why is this indeed the ultimate um, climax and pinnacle that mankind will reach when Mashiach comes? You know, so good. So we, we said, Taka doesn't come down to a piece of gefilte fish, which is good news, right? And the banquet of Leviathan is not from getting a piece of gefilte fish. The banquet is everyone receiving das. Why is that the ultimate level, the ultimate final, you know, step that humanity reaches? That that why is that the zenith? So let's start with that maybe and work backwards. And try to connect that to everything else. There's a number of ideas that are overlapping and converging all at the same time, all at the same place. The world, as we kept mentioning all throughout Parakid Aleph, was created to be able to have a cycle and come full circle within that cycle. And that cycle is, we start with the absence of God and we come back to the presence of God. Absence of God is a world that we exist in currently, where atrocities can happen, horrors can take place, evil can run amok, unchecked, seemingly. And the point of having such an existence is for Hashem to reveal Himself, to be a revelation, presence of God where there was an absence. Hashem doesn't need to create a world to immediately be present in there because Hashem is already present everywhere without a world. The point of creating a world is for there to be a place that Hashem reveals Himself to. And the only way that's meaningful is if we start off with a world where Hashem is not revealed, where Hashem is absent. Otherwise, revelation is meaningless, pointless. There's another idea going on concurrent to this, which is that once we're created to be those observers in the system, we're also here to have the ultimate ability to participate, to be contributors to that system, to be people that are bringing the world to the revelation of God. And that's what earns us our place in Adam Haba. In eternity, our, our, our ability to have eternal delight and eternal um, reward in us having brought the world to that revelation, being those contributors, so we have our reward for eternity, which is going to have to be, by definition, the highest possible reward that a person can, can reach and achieve and attain. Now, those two ideas are going on concurrently. The fact that the world has to go from absence to presence, concealment to revelation, and the fact that we are here to use our free will to earn that reward, the, the schar that's waiting for us in Elam Habab. The reward also overlaps, is, is, is really just two different sides of the same coin. The same reward that's awaiting us in a, in, in, um, in a series of installments, in the first form, when Mashiach comes, in its ultimate form, in Adam Haba, in the world to come, is, is, is actually just another way of looking at the world achieving its destiny, the world achieving its purpose, what it was created for, which is the revelation of God. In other words, the ultimate revelation of God is, so to speak, interwoven with the ultimate reward. And that ultimate reward of us is to be receiving the ultimate um, the 
fulfillment that a being outside of God can ultimately receive, can, 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 um, can um, possibly receive. And that is closeness to God, being as close to the infinite as possible. Which is really another way of saying being as intimately aware of God as possible in a very personal way, which means being in consonance with God as much as possible, in sync with God as much as possible, which is another way of saying being illuminated by God's knowledge as much as possible. The closest I can possibly get to God's knowledge, which is an extension of God himself, the more I am in possession of that knowledge, and more than that, um, infused with that knowledge, then I am not just at the same wavelength of God, I am bring my existence to be overlapping and bonding with God's existence as much as humanly possible. Okay, so these are deep ideas, but we see again the ultimate fulfillment in life is being as close to God as possible. Being as close to God as possible means being on the same wavelength as God as possible, which means in understanding and, 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 and um, aware of God as possible, which is being filled with God's knowledge. God's knowledge is another way of saying the Torah. Torah is God's knowledge. And the more I am in possession of God's knowledge, the more I'm in the same wavelength, the more I get a sense of this fulfillment. And that's why learning Torah is so enjoyable. Learning Torah is so gishmak. Understanding something, having that breakthrough, seeing the Taisas come together, seeing the Gemara come together, seeing a Mishnah explained, putting the whole thing together, there's no fulfillment, there's no enjoyment like that. And it's not just the intellectual gratification. It's that I clicked a little bit more into the same wavelength as God. And what I'm feeling is that a sense of that fulfillment of godliness, a sense of that fulfillment of awareness of godliness, a sense of that enlightenment and illumination that comes with being a little bit more in the same wavelength as God. That's the gishmak, the rush, the thrill that any of you gets when you when you when you really understood something in Torah, is you got a little bit more in the same wavelength as Hakadosh Baruch Hu, and a little bit closer to to that consonance with the ultimate, with the infinite. A little bit closer, a little bit more in 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 line with the, with that wavelength, as opposed to being interfering with the wavelength. Yes. Okay. So this is the ultimate reward awaiting mankind. But if that's the case, it's also the ultimate revelation of God to the world in the end of days, which is what the world was created for. The world is created, the absence of God, the presence of God, and the greatest presence of God to the world is the nature of God to the best of our degree, of our abilities to perceive that, and we can't really we can't really see God himself, but the closest we can get to that is that extension of Hashem himself, which is Hashem's Torah, which is knowledge of God, which its revelation is the same thing as its ultimate revelation and total revelation is the same thing as the world coming to its purpose, to its destiny, which is going from absence to presence. The presence of God means total awareness of God, total illumination of the world with the... the um, the, the, the nature of Hashem that we're full that we're that we're the most capable of perceiving, which is Hashem's knowledge. Okay, that's 
quite a lot. But but the, if we if we back 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 up a little bit and zoom back out, see the ideas are, quick, are, 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 are actually quite straightforward. And 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 um, you know on on a, on a on a macro level, we're saying simply that the world's created to bring present absence to presence. We're created to be a part of that process, and we're created to have a fulfillment from that process. We be rewarded that process through every reward, and the un- end result of the process, one of the same, is Molar's Deus Hashem Kamaim Liyam that the world will be filled with illumination of of God, God's knowledge, God's God's wisdom, God's das is there to fill us and fill the world as water fills the ocean bed. Water fills the ocean bed. In totality, that is the the, the dual purpose of the the dual definition. I'm sorry, the definition on a dual sense of the world coming for a circle and us receiving the ultimate reward. So this is the idea of das being what, what the world is waiting for, what we're waiting for. Total illumination, total clarity of that. And that's, that's the idea of, of, of total consonance with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. This goes hand in hand and necessarily has to go hand in hand with silencing all the Mekatrigam, the Gain said. The silencing of all the prosecutions and the prosecuting angels and celestial beings. Why is that? So who are we talking about? Who are the Mekatrikim? That's the Yetzirah, that's the Satan. The Satan is without and the Yetzirah is within. They're one and the same. What gets me in trouble is the same being that got me to do an Aveira now summons me for that Aveira. And what prevents us really now from, from having a totality of knowledge? What, what prevents us from each and every one of us from knowing Kola Tarakula, knowing the revealed portions of the Torah, knowing the concealed the inner and the outer, knowing Kabbalah, what prevents us from that? So, so yeah, Shlomo is correct. A lot of things prevent us from that. But, but primarily, we're, 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 even if we would devote all of our energies and all of our time to understanding everything, we would still be incapable of the totality and the knowledge of Hashem and having total understanding, total illumination. We would be incapable of that. It's not just about time. It's not just about discipline. It's not just about work ethic and, and study habits. It's about how we're built. As long as we have a Yetzir Hara, that prevents us from a total grasping and total comprehension of, of, the, of the Torah of Hashem in all of its levels. Why is that? Yetzir Hara has the ability to interfere with our knowledge and to tamper with our understanding. That's what the Yetzir is all about. He starts on a visceral level, on a gut level, on a temptational level, but he's able to, and what he does is, that shoots upwards to pollute the mind, to pollute the thinking, and to get the body to have the ability to hijack the functioning of the mind, of the seichel. And as long as our intellect, which is where our neshama is, which is what needs to be completely on board, to have total grasp and total comprehension of our Baruch, as long as that is under the influence and can be under the influence of the Yetzir Hara, that prevents us from having total comprehension, there's interference. We have interference from within. Our tuners are a little bit off. Our 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 our, our um, satellite dish can't get the full signal because it's it's um, rusty because it's 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 dirty, it's dusty, dusty, rusty, and musty. We can't tune in fully 
to the signals because of the Yetzir Hara. And that's what prevents us, the entire, you know, stretch of, of Gauls until Mashiach comes from having that totality. And it prevents us in a very critical way. You can't have the total understanding and the innermost understanding of HaKash Baruch and his nature and being illuminated by Torah when we can't fully pull down the signals because of, we have a Yetzirah. As long as we have a Yetzirah, that prevents us from having this totality of knowledge. As long as we have a Yetzirah, that allows us to be set up for a fall and for us to be called out for that. Says the Gain, they go hand in hand. goes together with There will be no more prosecutors, no more beings at to get us, no more Yetzir Hara and Satan that is pushing us down and then summoning us to the court case. When he pushes us down, Hashem, for the entire world will be filled with knowledge, means Hashem banishes the Yetzir Hara. The Gemara tells us Hashem will shech the Yetzir Hara. Hashem destroys the Yetzir Hara, we remove that blockage, our satellite dishes, our receiving stations, completely clean, completely free of any interference, now we can receive the full das of Hashem. This comes when in Mashiach times. They all go together. Moshe is also called the Leviathan. Why? Because Moshe is the only being that from the get-go, his receiving stations were always interference-free. Moshe goes up to Harsina to receive the Torah. The rest of Klai stays behind, participates in the Chet Egel. They remain with the Yetzirah. They remain with a um, faulty receiving station. They have incorporated, reincorporated by, by Harsinai, the Yetzirah within them. Therefore, they are, until the end of days, prevented from having a total grasp of Das, of the totality of Hashem's knowledge, Hashem's illumination, and Hashem's revealed Torah. Moshe Rabbeinu goes up to Harsinai and is not a participant, the only one who is not a participant. Yeshua didn't, Yeshua, even though he participates, he's still down below, he's still part of Klai right? Moshe Rabbeinu stays above, stays removed. Moshe Rabbeinu comes back down the same way he was up there, which is with total das. Moshe Rabbeinu has total das of Torah, total illumination of Torah. And Moshe Rabbeinu does not lose that Madrega. That's why Moshe Rabbeinu comes down and says, Koran or Panav. Moshe Rabbeinu has beams of light projecting from his face, it says, right? Koran or Panav. Because he hasn't not, he's not lost that illumination. He's still holding on that ultimate level. Um, and that's why all of Torah goes through Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe is in full possession of Das. Moshe is in full possession of this uh, illumination. And all of knowledge has to go through him to us. But we still can only get a, a slice of that, a fraction of that. We can't get in totality because we are in a in a in a um, lowered state. We are in a fallen state. We have fallen from grace. We have reincorporated the Yitzhahara. Moshe Rabbeinu does not have that Yitzhahara. Moshe Rabbeinu was told this from Kedoshim tell us he, he doesn't have a Yitzhahara. Moshe Rabbeinu lost his Bechiri, he lost his free will. I say this from Kedoshim. He was a human being, but in a certain sense, he was on the level of a malach that he didn't have free will because otherwise he would not be able to have totality of knowledge of God, of the full das, as we're seeing from this Vilna guy. And they go hand in hand. If you want to have uh, uh, the full comprehension, be fully illuminated by the totality of, the, of, of Hashem's um, essence and Hashem's presence and Hashem's 
extended existence, which is Torah, you have to have an interference-free, static-free receiving station. You can't have any Yetzir Hara. You can't have anything that gets in the way. That's going to prevent you from total absorption. Moshe Rabbeinu had to be in that state. Moshe Rabbeinu indeed did not have a Yetzir Hara anymore. He did not have a... a um, a um, uh, what's it called? A Yetzir Hara. Moshe Rabbeinu did not have a Yetzir Hara. That's how he's able... Um, that's how he is able to receive the Torah, and that is how he was able to have full das of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. and that's why he's called Leviathan. That's why he's called Leviathan. Amazing, Geshmak. Um, and that's why, again, it's Karn or Panov. That ultimate level, as we're seeing in the going, is referred to as Oragonus, is, is referred to as the... Um, um, <clears throat> Having full illumination from the Rebbeinu Shalom, and Moshe Rabbeinu comes down with that. Klai has lost it. We have to take off our crowns. Moshe Rabbeinu comes down in the same state that he was up there. This is why there's no Mekatrigim anymore. And the final point that we have to speak out is um, what does it have to do with the plaything? Leviathan is a plaything, right? As Hashem plays with it, as Hashem's plaything, he plays with the Sadikim with, uses to play with the Sadikim. And uh, why is the Torah referred to? Why is the knowledge of God, ultimate knowledge, which is the ultimate level of revelation of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, why is that, and, and, which affords us to be uh, in the ultimate sense, in the same way as Hashem, why is that referred to as a plaything? Why? So, truth is, David also said this, If not for the Torah, your Torah, my plaything. David HaMelech in Book of Zalms also refers to the Torah as a plaything. Something that he plays with. Why is Torah called a plaything? Was Torah a Rubik's cube? Right, one of those. Um, he knows those. The, what do they call them? Those this, uh, these these uh, plastic spheres with those tracks. You have to get those. The, the BB guided through all those little. Um, right, those 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 uh, the little courses. The, the whole maze. That's right. Anyway, wh- why is Torah called a plaything? So answers like this will wrap up the paragraph and wrap up the safer with this idea, what is a plaything? A plaything is something that you never get bored of. A plaything is something you never get tired of. A plaything is something, shashua, the shasheya, which is the word in Lashon HaKadosh for a plaything, which the, the, the um, Goyen used, and the Davon Melch uses, Lulei Sarosch shashua, to be mishasheya means, what it sounds like, it means to a repetitive activity. Repetitive. Repetitive. And kid, you watch a kid with a toy. What does a kid do with that toy? He's constantly turning it around, constantly turning it over in his hands, constantly fidgeting with it and playing with it and turning it around. And and what that what that what that is, what that activity is all about, about constantly finding something new, constantly finding something, a new angle, a new way of holding it, a new way of manipulating it, a new way of 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 um, of um, interacting with it, I think kids will be fascinated with anything because kids are constantly fascinated with. It. Look, I can hold it this way, I can hold it that way, I can turn this way, I can turn it that way. That's to be mishasheya, turn something around and around and around and around. Torah is a shashua. Torah is constantly beyond us and constantly providing us new angles, new insights, new abilities to turn it around, new 
understandings. And it's like that Mashiach time is going to be like that loss of Lavai as well, that 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 bonds with Akash Baruch Hu, which is really being in the same wavelength as the knowledge of Hashem, is something that's going to be everlasting and ever increasing. Ramchal told us this in Derech Hashem. Everlasting, ever increasing, it's a Mishasheya. There's always something new, it's always something new, it's always something new. Why is that? We know this on our own. You can take a Blat Gemara that you've learned five times, you learn it six times, you see something new. You learn it ten times, you learn it an eleventh time. A new insight, a new daher, a new, a new connection. A new connection. That's the Shashua, the Shashuim of Limit Torah, is you can turn it and turn it and turn it and turn it and turn it. There's always something new. Why is there always something new in, 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 in turning around Torah, playing with Torah? Because Torah is knowledge of God. Torah is an extension of God Himself. And it's therefore the infinite. It's a link to the infinite. The infinite is always ahead of the finite. The infinite always has something that the finite didn't see yet. The infinite is always one step ahead of us. The infinite is always going to have something that's waiting for us to discover because we're finite and, and the infinite is the infinite. And by definition, the infinite, what's the, what's the, what's the largest number that exists, Rabbi say? Infinity. Are you sure? What about infinity plus one? It's, it's even zero. bigger. What? How about zero? Zero is the biggest number? Oh, that's, sorry, that's too much for me to get my head around. Yeah. I don't know, you lost me over there. But uh, I don't know if Shlomo lost me with that one. Shlomo says the largest number is infinity. He's wrong. Because you can have infinity plus one. That's infinity. No, it's not. It's infinity plus one. Because infinity is infinity is infinity. There's different, there's, there, there's different sizes of infinities. There is such a thing. Yes, Cantor and his series of infinitudes. Anyway, um, large number is infinity. So add one to infinity. Now it's even bigger. Infinity is always one step ahead of us. Infinity is always constantly, because then you have infinity plus two. What about infinity plus infinity? That's even bigger. You can do such things. There's a whole branch of mathematics like this. Okay, there really is. Anyway, um, infin- yeah, I know it's, it's uh, early in the morning for this kind of talk, but infinity is never ending. And there's always more to infinity. There is always more to infinity. By definition, we're finite. Torah always has something more, and in the ultimate relationship with God, this will be ever growing, and ever lasting, and ever increasing, ever expanding, because there's always going to be more in that relationship, and that's the shashua. I turn it, I turn it, I turn it. There's always something more, a new delight, a new delight, a new, a new angle, a new facet, a new angle. In that connection, this is the leviyasin yitzar the lesachek boy. This lulei sayroscha shashuai, and as the guy says, this is going to begin when Mashiach comes. Mola ars deyas Hashem. We should see it speedily in our days, the beginning of that revelation. We should be able to be not just observers, but participants, contributors to the ultimate revelation. And as the guy wraps up the Savior, we conclude as well. Thank you all for joining.